Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. We'll be right back to today's show. But before we do, I want to let you know that you can get a free copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, when you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcast, either on desktop or on your phone. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, look up Think Unbroken, click follow in the top right, and then go and leave a review at the bottom. And when you leave that review, screenshot it and send it over to book.thinkunbroken.com where you can upload your contact and mailing information, and we will send you a free copy of this award-winning, best-selling book, absolutely free, including shipping. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to upload your screenshot review from Apple Podcasts for the Think Unbroken podcast. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see you.
Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Sometimes our lives can feel like a complete mess, an utter disaster, and just massive disappointment time and time again. And the shame, the guilt, the decisions, the choices, the ramifications, pain that we carry with us from our past can often keep us stuck. And for many people, it does keep them stuck. I have been there. Today's guest, Andrea Ashley, the host of the Adult Child podcast, is one of those people as well. And in today's episode, the conversation that Andrea and I have is powerful in this way that is about recognizing one thing true. We are not our choices. We are not our decisions. We are not the thing that we did in high school or third grade or when we were 25 or when we were 30. We are none of those things. What we are is who we choose to be today, which is an incredibly difficult thing to understand until you give yourself the space to heal and to learn to love yourself. And in this conversation, Andrea and I go deep about our both individual journeys and then what it's like together to now be attempting to create change in people's lives. Her podcast is incredibly powerful and beautiful. I've had the luck and the honor of being on the Adult Child podcast. And I'll tell you this, people listen to that show because Andrea is her. She's honest, she's authentic, she's vulnerable. And sometimes she says shit where I'm like, whoa, I cannot believe you just said that. And it's beautiful and it's empowering. For someone like herself who has learned how to love herself despite all of the reasons why she has in the world to not, it's incredible to watch her journey, to watch how she can go from dealing with dysfunctional families, dealing with alcoholism, dealing with what she calls the shit show and to create the life that she has today is not only beautiful, it's empowering, but it's also an honor to get to call her a friend. And today's episode is one of those episodes that I know for me personally carries a lot of meaning, a lot of hope, and a lot of letting go because it is only through the stories and journeys of others that we are able to look and reflect on our own lives and have, I hope for many of you, a moment like what I've had over the years 
of recognizing like if they can do it, then you can do it too. And I believe that for you. I believe that for her. I believe that for me. I believe that for everyone who is willing to listen to this podcast, who's willing to step into this idea about being unbroken, who's willing to be a part of the unbroken nation. It's all here for you, friend. Everything that you ever want, everything that you desire is right here. A lot of it is learning to love yourself, to heal, to let go, and to ask for help, to seek community, to find support. And I'm really excited for today's episode with Andrea because we're going to go into that. We're going to talk about all these topics and more. We're going to talk about dating, relationships, shaming, guilt, what it's like to be the person that everyone points the finger at, and then what it's like to become the person that others seek guidance from. And you have the ability to be anything that you choose to become. It's all about decisions. It's all about the choices we make. And it's all about the path that we decide to make. And for some of us, the path is a path that we have to make. Like literally, like you have to go out into the world and say, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to try anyway. And my hope is that you'll take away from this episode encouragement, guidance, and most importantly, hope. And if you haven't joined the Think Unbroken Weekly Coaching, you can join us. Go to keys.thinkunbroken.com. Each Monday, we join a group of the Unbroken Nation to create support, to create community, and most importantly, to heal together. Go to keys.thinkunbroken.com to learn more, or go to thinkunbrokenpodcast.com, wherever you listen to this podcast, to leave a review, to find more amazing people in this community, and ultimately, to find support in your path. Without further ado, my friends, here is Andrea Ashley. You're listening to the Think Unbroken podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Unbroken. I'm an author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. In this podcast, you will learn how to transform your trauma into triumph, turn breakdowns into breakthroughs, and go from victim to being the hero of your own story. You can learn more at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. And of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Think Unbroken Podcast. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my guest, Andrea Ashley, who is the host of the Adult Child Podcast. Andrea, my friend, what is up? How are you today? What up, Unbroken Nation? <laughs> I, love I started that. doing that for my show. I go, Chicho Nation. And I, I think that they all hate it. Like, I think it makes them cringe and I'm losing <laughs> listeners every time I do it, but... I just like it. Well, I, I don't think you're losing listeners. People who <laughs> love your show probably just ignore it at this point. I say I'm Broken Nation all the time, so I imagine that these guys and gals... You have to do it in a weird voice. I'm Broken Nation! I don't, I don't want to do that, so the answer is no. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm super excited to have you on today for a couple of reasons. One, because I've been fortunate enough to be on your show. And we had a really deep and beautiful conversation. You're a great interviewer. Um, and two, because you're, you're creating massive impact and change in people's lives. Like ultimately, 
you know, the mission here is we want to create education and information that on a long enough timeline helps people heal, transform trauma and triumph, turn their breakdowns into breakthroughs, and ultimately in this generational trauma, this thing that has impacted so many of us. And, and I think one of the things I appreciate the most about you and what you do is you, you allow your personality and your humor to really shine and probably to disarm a lot of people in the show. And so I, I think really the, the first question that I want to ask you is like, where does that come from for you? Because I think so many people are terrified to like be themselves. And you're one of those people I look at and I go, they know who they are. And so is that something that was a childhood defensive mechanism? Were you the class clown? Like, like, what is this for you? Because sometimes I'm listening to your show and I'm just cracking up. I don't know how I came to be so funny. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of like when I really started to notice it. And I, I don't, I don't remember being as sarcastic as I, as I was, um, as I am now, you know, I started drinking at 12 and really just became like such a so quickly, um, that I don't growing up. I don't, I don't think I was like known as like the funny gal. I don't, it really, I think has come through and I'll save my answer for the end. Cause I know you're going to ask what it means to be unbroken, but I think it's really about, um, finding the humor in our stories. Like, I think it's so important to be able to, to laugh at the shit that makes us cringe. You know, I think it's really empowering. Um, and I think that it takes a lot of the, if you're doing it in a healthy way, but I just think it's, I don't know. I want, I, I, I feel like that's part of my mission and like why I was brought here is like, for some reason, like I'm able to find, um, like, I'll tell you my most embarrassing stories. Like I'll tell a stranger them, you know? Um, cause I'm not embarrassed about it. It's like who it's what shaped me into like who I am today. And it's made me interesting and I don't know. I don't know why this is my superpower, but it is. Yeah. I, I get that. Two thoughts came to mind. One, sharing embarrassing stories helps other people relate. However, my grandmother wouldn't agree, and she would probably say, you have no couth or home training, <laughs> as it would be. And I'm like, whatever, Grandma. You're old racist. Shut up, Grandma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take it down. And, and the second part of it is looking at it and going, I, I believe firmly that for some people, your voice can heal the world. It can change. I mean, you go look at incredible people, Martin Luther King, JFK, Gandhi, like these people were amazing. Beyonce, I mean, she's changing the world, right? Jay-Z, these guys who have these incredibly powerful voices in which they speak the, the truth of their existence. And, and one of the things that I've obviously shared on the show is like at a very young age, I started doing drugs and getting high. I mean, I was 11, 12, 13 years old and deep, deep into that world. And so I'm curious, I want to create some context about leading this path to where you've become who you are. And so give us a, a screenshot, like what was childhood like for you that led to this place where you're like 12 years old getting drunk? Mm. So <clears throat> only child, uh, grew up outside. I used to tell people I grew up in Philly. I just recently interviewed somebody who like actually grew up in Philly and told me that I can't say that anymore. <laughs> so I grew up in the Philadelphia suburbs. Um, 
And, you know, I would say like really like picture perfect family from the outside. And I would say in many respects it was. And I think that that is one thing that I've had to come to terms with. Um, and, and, and why it took me so long to, I thought that because, um, I was never like physically or sexually abused, how bad could my childhood truly have impacted me? Um, but the fact of the matter is it impacted me a whole hell of a lot. Um, but so when I was, I would say like the, the, the key experience that really just changed everything for me was when I was, uh, seven years old and I was out to dinner with my parents or I was with my mom, we were waiting for my dad to get there. And I remember my, my mom had ordered a beer and she was like barely sipping it. And then when my dad got there, she started to cry. And at a certain point she took me to the bathroom and, and I said, what's wrong? And she said, I'm an alcoholic and I'm seven. So I don't know what the f- that means. Can I curse? Or are you going to get demonetized? Yeah, go for it. Okay. <laughs> um, And she said, it means I can't drink. And it was like, I didn't have any idea what that meant or what an alcoholic was. But at the same time, I knew exactly what she meant. And it was like, I went to bed that night and woke up the next morning, having transformed almost into like this little adult. And I, I, I developed this sixth sense as it relates to my mom's drinking. And I would know like hours before she would even pick up a drink. Like I just knew it intuitively that she was going to drink that day. And so, you know, my dad was a workaholic and he was out of town a lot. And the times that my mom drank the most is when he was out of town. And, you know, he knew that she was, um, driving me around drunk. I mean, thank God nothing horrible ever happened. And she was always there to pick me up and feed me dinner and put me to bed Um, but I would, you know, I would, my dad had trained me to search the house for her booze because he would have me do it with him. I remember one instance of, um, of going into the liquor cabinet with him and, and using a paint stick to like measure and monitor like each level of the, like each bottle in the liquor cabinet as if like somehow that's going to like make a difference. (laughs) We know that she drank out of it. Um, but I really just became parentified. You know, my mom's drinking was a, was a secret from the rest of the world. And my dad really used me as his emotional confidant and support. And I, I got like an adrenaline rush from it. You know, like it was very, I think that that was the way that I coped with the fear was to like get a rush from it. I remember sitting on the stairs as a little girl and just listening to my parents fight and like just getting a hit from it almost and wanting to hear like every single word that they were saying. I think that I felt safe if I knew everything that was going on. What that translated to in adulthood is like, I asked so many questions and thank God I found a job where like that's appropriate. Um, (laughs) But I, I developed separation anxiety around nine years old. I started sleeping with my mom in her bed every night. And after a few months of this, my parents sent me to, um, to a therapist. And I remember asking my mom years later, like, did you ever tell that therapist that you were an alcoholic and that you and dad fought all the time? And her answer was no, it didn't seem relevant. And so I became the, the identified patient and the scapegoat of the family. Then, um, I think that that was me trying to sound the alarm bells on what was going on in the home. It didn't work. 
And so then at 12, you know, I started, I started, um, I started drinking and using drugs and guess what? That worked. That worked. When I started acting out, my parents stopped fighting as much and my mom stopped drinking. And it was like, they had to come together to, to deal with me. Um, and I would say the other thing, like the other really, really big experience that I had that I really feel like shaped me was in the seventh grade, um, I became like the school slut. So me and my friend went to this high school party and gave two guys blowjobs. And when we got back to school, the whole entire school knew about it. And it was like essentially overnight, I became the girl that no one was allowed to be friends with, that no one wanted to be friends with. And I feel like that's really, really, really when shame became my identity. And so it was like from that point on, that's really when, you know, any means necessary to get. You know, it's wild. <clears throat> Excuse me. What's wild about that is, you know, when you're young, especially in high school, like middle school, high school, we're all trying things. We're all doing stuff. We're all. And for some reason, there's always that that boy or that girl who they just get pigeonholed into this identity of like, that's who they are. And we don't even know how to make meaning of that. I mean, you're so young, you can't make meaning of what it is to be promiscuous, right? And and not that I'm shaming it, like, go do you, like, whatever makes you happy. You know, I, I shared on the show before, like, I've only ever had one nickname in my whole life. And it was in my late teens when MySpace was a thing and I was hooking up with every stranger I could. My <laughs> friends all called me MySpace whore. Like that was literally my nickname. And it's like I was still in this place. I'm just in discovery. I'm figuring it out. But, you know, the the mechanisms for safety that we use as coping they can be drugs, alcohol, sex, especially if we see it's actually creating a semblance of peace. Like you drinking and acting out brings your parents to this place where now your mom's not drinking and there's less chaos in the home. And so as an adolescent, you put two to two together and you go, oh, okay, cool. I got it. So if I'm not, if, if I'm partying, they're taking care of me, they're better parents, they're not drinking, they're not fighting. If I'm not doing that, then I know what that's like. And when I was young, it was escapism entirely for me. I was like, I want to turn off the yelling, the screaming, the abuse, obviously very different background than what you've come from. But it is like, we will do whatever we need to do to satiate our need for survival, for acceptance, for being seen. And you use a word that I think is, is really powerful. I didn't, I didn't, here's what's interesting. Like when I was young- Identified patient. I, not that it was shame because here, here's the truth. Like I, I didn't think that shame was a bad thing. I just thought I was a bad person. And so all the time I'd get involved in these things like, Oh, this is just because I'm bad. And then I realized like, Oh, this is actually because of shame that I actually feel bad. And it's like this whole vicious cycle. Then you go to therapy, you spend a quarter million dollars and then one day you're healed. And so, you know, that, that journey, when, when you're in school, when you're young, like, do you still feel the ramifications of those experiences today? Like, have you stepped into healing those? Like, like, what has that been like for you? Because I, I know that somebody listening right now is still carrying shame from similar experiences that they had in their childhood that they can't seem to let go. 
Well, first, when you when you made the comment about how like one kid gets pigeoned, it's so interesting that you say that because it was me and another girl, but she had an older brother that I went to a public, a private school. So when it went all the way up to 12th grade. And even though she had done like the same exact thing that I had done, she really escaped the harassment because she had an older brother that was um, was kind of protecting her. But it's interesting. I actually reached out to her when I was about to start the podcast and I was like, I'm really curious because we stopped being friends then too. And I was like, I'm really curious to hear like how that experience impacted you. Cause I became, I became the girl that like did not have any friends like for until I got sober at 19, like that really put a, a tarnish on me, but she, she turned out okay. As far as like having friends and she seemed like she was pretty popular, but she shut it. She, you know, she shut it down. She had no interest in, in going there, which I thought was interesting. Um, but I think what's also important to, um, to uh, clarify is that, you know, I said shame, but I said that shame became my identity, right? So we have like shame, which is a feeling. And then we have, you know, toxic shame, which is internalized shame. And so when we internalize an emotion, it no longer functions as an emotion and becomes one's identity, right? So there's nothing wrong with feeling shame, but there is something wrong with believing that we are shame. So I think that that's the same thing as like you saying that like, you know, you were bad. I mean, that's what, that's what that internalized toxic shame is, is this belief that there's something inherently wrong with us. Um, you know, I had an experience a couple years ago where I was living in San Francisco and it was the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl a couple years ago and hopefully again on Sunday. Um, and I went to this Philly bar and I walked in and there was a table of about six people that were all in that my seventh grade class, the year that that happened. And I hadn't seen them in, you know, 15 years. And it was, you know, and I went up to them and I talked with them um, and asked how they were doing. And it wasn't until I was driving home when I was in my lift on the way home that I realized that that experience and that like identity, like that I, I hadn't thought, I didn't think about that at all, like while I was communicating with them. And that was like huge just to see that I had let that go. I don't, how did I work through it? I mean, I think that I, I understand and I have compassion for myself that like, I was just trying to survive, you know, like I, um, I don't know. I have a lot of compassion, like for that, like little girl. Um, and I don't feel like I carry shame about that, but I do think that one thing that comes through is, um, because of that, like scapegoat role identified patient, I do think that that sometimes comes into play when I like engage in, um, like self-sabotage type behavior or like procrastinating, I do think that sometimes that that is me defaulting into that role. 
if yeah, that makes sense. It does make a lot of sense. And the, the thing that came to my mind was like how brave of you to go and engage with those people, right? And and I think that's a big sign. One of the things I always think about is like share your truth, speak your truth, be who you are no matter what. That's the greatest sign of healing that you will ever experience, right? So many of us are used to stuffing down, hiding, running, keeping quiet. And it's like, well, you know, you could do that or you could face the reality of like the truth of the environment and the the fact that, yeah, like these things have played a role in your life, but they're not who you are. And and that's been one of the hardest things I've probably done is get to that place where I'm like, I am not those ideas. I am not those things. And, you know, everybody procrastinates. Everybody self-sabotages. Like, and, and I do too. Like, it's crazy. I'll sit, sometimes to get my day started might take me two hours, right? And even though I'm like in my routine and my habits and I do the, like, it's sometimes like that one activity. I'm like, just do this thing and your day will be better. Like that can take forever. And and I think most people don't understand that. Like, I don't know anyone who doesn't. I mean, go look at a dude like Goggins, right? Everybody touts him as like the man's man and the, the greatest, strongest superhero dude alive. And I'm like, eh, he's dealing with a lot of trauma. He's dealing with a lot of things that he's gone through. And even that dude struggles to put his shoes on to go for these runs sometimes. And it's like, mm-hmm. you got to recognize that. And that's been a reminder for me in this journey because I do want to do great things like you, like you want to do great things. You want to impact the world for the better, but it starts with us. And so I'm curious when you're in these modes of self-sabotage and procrastination, two part one, what is the conversation you're having with yourself? And then two, how do you move through it? Mm-hmm. So this is like all very present for me and, and something that I've been talking about on my podcast. Cause I think what I kind of came to the realization a couple months ago is that, um, that I've really just been shaming myself about it and like using it as a way to shame myself. Right. So at the end of the day, beating myself up for the things that I didn't get done and all, and, and, and treating it almost like, like, it's just like a behavior thing. But what I've realized is like, I really need to come at it from a level of, um, of like curiosity and compassion instead of beating myself up. So I've just been trying to, to, um, to really just notice what's, what's going on. And then the other thing that I've been doing, so I want to share, are you familiar with the term outer child? Yeah. So I had, I had on Susan Anderson on my podcast a couple weeks ago. And so she talks about, and this really hit home for me. And it was Do like, me a such, favor and define that. Cause I know some, I'm you asked to, me if I am in my brain. Went, yeah, I'm, going to, I'm getting there. <laughs> okay. So it was like really, so she's like the abandonment trauma guru. And I had her on before, but I had her on again. And it was like such divine timing for her to come on. So she has a concept of like, where you have like your inner child and your outer child. And I guess outer child could be similar to like inner teenager, but I prefer outer child. So the way that she describes it is that our, um, that our inner child, that is the part of us that feels. So that is the emotional part of us. That is the vulnerable, innocent part of ourselves. The outer child outwardly manifests whatever the inner child is feeling. So the inner child feels, the outer child then reacts in response to these feelings, but not in a healthy way, like in a self-sabotage way. So your outer child is the part of you that breaks your diet, that procrastinates, 
that gets into unhealthy relationships. And so the reason that it's so important that we separate the two is because the inner child isn't doing anything wrong. The inner child's feelings are valid, right? It's the ways in which we are coping with these feelings that is the issue. So if you don't separate them out, it's almost like you're you're blaming, you're punishing, you're attacking the inner child from what it's feeling. And also it's your outer child is also acting in ways so that you don't take a look at what those feelings are. And so basically I've been reading her book. It's called Taming Your Outer Child, but it's so it's separating the two out so that you can then connect with your inner child and really get at like, what are the underlying feelings? Like, why are we reacting this way? And so I've been doing this like journaling exercise where like you ask your inner child, like, how do you feel about, um, about the ways in which I procrastinate and self-sabotage? And what she told me is that when I say I'm going to do things the next day and I don't get them done, that it feels the exact same way as when my mom would tell me that she was not going to drink anymore and she still would. And that just like really hit hard, you know, and that's like that, that's like that repetition compulsion, right? That is, and it came to me, it's like when we are habitually disappointed by our parents as kids, we then go on to habitually disappoint ourselves as adults. And so through this exercise, I'm separating that out and I'm getting to these feelings and I'm allowing my inner child to express this disappointment and this hurt that she was not able to express as a kid. And that's part of stopping these behaviors is like expressing the repressed feelings. And so what I've also been doing is saying, like when I'm doing this journaling exercises, I'm writing to her and telling her, Hey, I'm going to do these things tomorrow. And I'm going to check back in with you to let you know that I did them. And so you don't want to promise the moon, right? Like you want to, it could be something so simple that could take five minutes, but it's like through this process that you're like rebuilding that trust with your inner child. And it's been incredible. Like for some reason, by me doing this, it's like raising the stakes and I'm getting the done. There's been one time where I didn't do what I said I was going to do. And instead of making excuses for why I didn't do it, I just said, I'm sorry. I said I was going to do it and I didn't do it. And I own that, but I'll do it tomorrow. And so that's like been what the past few weeks, that's like really where I've, that's what I've been doing to kind of look at this. So, yeah, that's so powerful. I, I consider myself the king of not doing what I say I'm going to do. And, and it's been through, I didn't have words and language like you just used, but when, when I really made this decision to create this change in my life, I knew so much of it was about accountability because mm-hmm. I was looking at my life every single day and like, dude, you're a f- loser, right? Now that's the language I needed. I always try to create context around this, use the language you need. I use that language because it is the language that I know. And so when I was in that, it was like, okay, now do the opposite of what someone who who's a loser would do. And what I came to realize, like it was, it is in compassion and self-care in which 
what you build and create in your life starts to take shape because you like, even though on this one hand, I have this language, which most people may look at volatile. I go, that's the language that I'm from. And if you come to me, super nice, fluffy kitties, I'm going to like, get the out of my face. Right. And so I come to myself with this language and then the, the dichotomy or juxtaposition of it is, okay, cool. Now, how do you have acceptance about the fact that this is your fault, that you didn't do the thing that you were going to do, even though it's tied into this thing from when you were seven years old and your exactly. mom didn't take you to see Toy Story when she was supposed to, and all the rest of the kids on the class field trip got to see it, and you had to go back to school the next day embarrassed, right? And it's like, when you get in, and that's a real story. And so like, when you get into the depths of this, and you're like, trying to make meaning of it, I love that you're journaling, because that has been the thing that has set me most free. And in I've been journaling, so resistant to it. I, most people are. And, and the I was too at first, even though I'm a writer, like I'm a, I wrote my very first vampire romantic comedy when I was like 10 years old. I've been a writer since I was a child, but getting into the, the depths of the emotional capacity that we have around the experiences of our life is scary. And what happened for me was I was like, okay, I'm going to step into this. I'm going to, I bought a red journal after a therapy session and it became my angry journal. And eight years ago was when this happened. And it's actually still over here on my bookshelf. I have the same journal that I, it's full now. There's like five red journals. My angry here. journal. But that's what it was. It was like, be mad, put all of your emotions in there. And then I realized a lot of the things that I was mad about were things that were my cause, things that I had done. Because I'd forgiven or let go of so much abuse, so much. I mean, I even let go of the fact that my mother cut my finger off, right? I was able to do that, but I would destroy myself over not doing the dishes. I would wring myself out over like not folding the laundry or showing up late to work or whatever that thing was. And then I realized, and I don't know if this is holding true for you or something you've experienced, but I, I realized like, one of the most important things in self-care is doing what you said you're going to do. Now, a big part of that's reparenting, obviously, but it, it's like the people who know me best in my personal life, they know that when I say I'm going to do something, it's done. And that to me has just become not only a badge of honor, but just proof that I used to be a guy who was unreliable to everyone all the time, but especially myself. And through this healing journey and through so many of the things that we talk about, it's different. So I'm wondering if if a big part of this for you has also just been in self-accountability and navigating that. Yeah, it is because I think that I hold true to what I say to other people, you know, but I think it's, it's, it's too, like, it's, I think part of why it's coming up too is because I've, you know, it's just been in like the past two years that I really feel like I'm stepping into my purpose too, you know? So I think that that brings up a lot of things. I think one thing that's interesting that you say too, about, you know, just being angry at yourself. I think also what happens is, you know, as kids, it's not safe to um, outwardly express our anger towards our parents and so we redirect that like at ourselves too. And so I think it's also like looking at like, is this, is this anger misdirected at myself, you know? Yeah, no, I do know. And it's, what's really interesting is 
uh, as you were saying that, my thought was if I got angry at my parents, I might as well just plan on crying and getting my kick the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. What an odd thing that as children, we don't have the safety to have emotional connection at that level, mm-hmm. right? Because of our parents and the choices and decisions that they make. Whereas now I'm like, I encourage, like when I'm coaching my clients, I'm like, yeah, be angry. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to hide from it because if you hide from anger, you're not going to know love. My, my thought on it is how in the world can you experience any emotion if you cannot experience all the emotions? Mm-hmm. And, and that's been a hell of a journey for me. And I would imagine, like, I, I don't know what it was like for you, but how did you find the safety to have emotions? Because I imagine being that young and stepping into drugs and alcohol in the way that I did, it's a turnoff valve. So how'd you get the valve turned back on? You know, in my family, it was like, it was only like certain emotion. Like, what did I see? I think it, for me, it's been slow to, um, to release like the, the sadness. That's been like the thing that's been the most difficult for me to tap into. And I would say it's really been in the past year or so that the tears are finally really starting to come because what I saw in my home growing up was, um, either like anger or numbness. Right. So, um, it's, it's, it's tapping into that sadness. And I think it's just been, I think it's just a natural process of like, of, of recovery and, and healing. And, um, I think that our body and our psyche just knows when it's safe for certain things to start to come up, you know, and really getting an understanding of like what it is that I'm, that I'm really feeling or what is the underlying fear beliefs to kind of get clarity on that allows for me to get like clarity on what are the emotions that I'm feeling, you know? How do you, so how do you get clarity in it? Because I think that's a place historically I had been stuck. And I know that that is a place where many people get stuck because they're like, what is this actually? Like, how do you get clarity? How have you discovered that? <laughs> a lot of like a lot of therapy, <laughs> Truth. a lot of therapy and, and a lot of meetings and, um, yeah, 12 steps and everything talking to other people. It's, um, I think it's just like a process of, of doing the work. Right. I don't have like a specific answer. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. It is. A, I think a lot a of it is like looking at like when I think it's like looking at trauma responses too. So really, you know, anytime I'm having like an overreaction to something, like I'm not reacting to something in, in the present, that has been like one of the biggest beauties of and areas that I've been able to see my growth is that I'm really able to now identify pretty much like in the moment, oh, you're not like, you're having some sort of an emotional flashback right now. Like what you're reacting to is not what you think you're reacting to. Yeah, it never is. Like that's been the the biggest thing for me, especially probably in the last six years, five years, four years, last year is just looking at it and going, dude, the response that you're having to this either A is not warranted or B is so tied into something that happened 13, 23, 40 years ago, almost at this point. Ago. 
where it's like, what's really happening here? Is this the thing? Like, it's like the arguments, the things that we get mad at. It's, it's always about like, you don't put the keys in the right place. And I'm like, it's not about the keys. It's about the fact that this happened or that happened. And then you tie in deeper. And, and I think getting that place of in, in real time, in the presence, making meaning of that, like that's, it is. And here's one tool for people, because I think that that take time. And I think a lot of people might be able to recognize, hey, I'm having an overreaction, but I don't have any idea where this stems from. I think one one good tool for that is to like keep like a trauma response log. So anytime you're having some sort of an overreaction, you know, writing down, you know, what happened, what you were feeling in your body, what you were feeling emotionally, what were the thoughts going through your head and how did you respond? And you know, perhaps through time, you're going to be able to kind of see some patterns and connect the dots on, on what might be underlying it. Now, is there, I, I think that's a great tool. So thank you for sharing that. I mean, it, you got to get pretty real with yourself to be able to step into that. And I, I hope people will honor some compassion for themselves as they navigate that world, because I have done that. And there's a lot of work in this process that sucks. Like it just, I'm going to call it what it is. It just sucks. And that's one of the things that for me sucked the most in part because like, A, I have a very stubborn personality and B, because I was having to come to realize like I can control a lot of these responses. And and that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering as you, as you have created this podcast, which is absolutely incredible. And it's one of my favorite shows. And as you've had all these conversations, do you find that there are any, are there any elements of what you do that have helped you just as an interviewer or somebody having these conversations that you carry into your life? Because for me, when I'm interviewing someone, Mm -hmm. like I pull tactical stuff into my life immediately. And and I fear that unfortunately, a lot of people are just listeners. They're not doers. And so I'm, I'm wondering, like, what is the impact that like having these conversations with people have in your life? Well, I just shared one like the, with the inner child and the outer child, you know, that's been the coolest thing about this is, and what I try to, you know, portray to my listeners, like, I don't have this figured out, you know, like I'm still a show and I don't want them to ever think that like, I know what I'm doing. Like I don't, you know? And so that's like, what's been really cool for me is I feel so honored that I get to do this podcast because like this is, I'm still going through it, you know, like this is me still healing and growing. And I feel so honored that, um, that I'm being supported as like, as I go through this journey, like by my listeners and by my community and, um, yeah, like I get to talk to some really great people. And so that's an example. It's just all the time. I mean, sometimes you got to take some of it and, and leave the rest behind, but generally speaking, I think I have pretty good conversations, but sometimes it takes a little while to sink in. And I also like to get feedback from my listeners on like what they take away from the episodes. Cause then that also, you know, helps me to see things through a certain perspective as well. Yeah. I'm, I have the same, like, I, I know with massive certainty, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> like, you know, there's, it's just, I'm sharing in, in real time. Like this is what I think it means to go down this process because it's what's worked for me. But it's really interesting because what works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Uh-uh. Right. And I doubt de- like, for example, the type of language I use, like I definitely have people who are like, you say too much. And I'm like, 
well, maybe it's not for you and that's okay. And I hope that you find what is because ultimately- Did, I tell, did you know about the E is for every, everyone? Did I tell you about that? No, tell me about this. <laughs> okay. So I had this woman leave me a review on iTunes and she said, um, the, the, the pod, she gave me two stars. She goes, the podcast, it says E, which means for everyone, but yet the podcast is riddled with language. And I was like, Lady, it stands for explicit. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's yeah. for everyone. It's not. Yeah. And you know what? And it shouldn't be for everyone. And I think as a part of our, our journeys and stepping into our, our pure authenticity, which I know is a buzzword, but like, let's respect what it means. It's it's about being in your truth. And if if you're intentionally not being you, you're not for everyone. And in fact, you're not for anyone ever because you've got to go figure out some. And that's been a big part of the process for me is like, I got to figure out my like, who am I? What do I want? What do I want to create? How do I want to create it? What am I willing to do? What is my capacity? And it's interesting because I've, I've come to find not only the longer that I do podcasting, but coaching and speaking on stages and all these things, it's like my capacity is not what some of these other guys' capacities are, right? I'm an introvert, like to its core. I was just actually speaking at this really amazing event last week. And like, as soon as I got off stage, I'm in the the flow of it and talking and shaking hands. And this goes on for like two hours. Mm -hmm. And the second I was done, I was like, I'm disappearing. And I went to my room and I listened to music for like three hours. I ate dinner and then I came back and it was like, there are people who can continue to show up and do that and serve at that level at a speed that I don't have the capacity for because so much of this really comes down to know thyself. Mm -hmm. And I love what you just said, because like, yeah, be explicit. E, e should be for you doing what the hell it is that you think is going to serve people the best. And well, so and I'll have people say, and I think I, at some point I probably should like define adult child for anybody who's not familiar with the term, but um, somebody, you know, a lot of people will be like, well, there's not that many adult child podcasts out there. So I really wish that you would have a podcast that would appeal to all of us adult children. And that's like, goes against everything that my message is, which is about like living as our authentic selves, you know? Yeah. And I want to encourage people to do that more because here's an interesting thought. Everything in my life became different when I became me. I had a therapist is the literally do change my life is the greatest therapist in the history of the world. And he goes, change only happens when you make change happen. And when he told me that we were talking about identity. And so I'm curious, like, as you have shifted into a deeper authenticity and a, a deeper true sense of who you are, how has that impacted your life? What has that meant for you? And what does that journey look like? Well, that, I mean, that's what this podcast is like that. This podcast is the exact you know, result of that, you know, when I hit my adult child bottom, I was working, um, I was a CPA. <laughs> um, but what I realized was that I had never once considered like what a fulfilling career would look like, like ever, like all I had cared about was like finding a guy and getting married. And I mean, all I was doing was like dating one emotionally unavailable alcoholic after the next. And, um, 
I realized how much I was selling myself short. And so not only did I like embark on this journey to like heal from my childhood, but I also embarked on this journey to figure out like why the I was put on this earth. And that's why I just think that like this adult child recovery work is so powerful because, you know, I was nine years sober at the time because it, 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 it it allowed me to like figure out who the I was and live accordingly. You know, I think getting sober gave, made that like a possibility for me, but then it wasn't through until doing like this adult child recovery work that I like, that I had the ability to do so. And so really what it was, was just like a journey of healing, but then also like just learning about myself and being able to see that, um, my gift is like my authenticity and like my vulnerability and my ability to connect with, with other people. And, um, I don't know, it's just like been the most like amazing experience. I feel so lucky. And I think it's a, it's, I think it's available for all of us. Like what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I think that we all can do something that we like, I think that we all do have a purpose and I think it's capable for, for anyone's, you know, able to do that. I just think a lot of people don't do it. Yeah. Well, a, I agree with you first and foremost. And my hypothesis of why people don't is because we are more scared of success than we are of failure. Mm -hmm. And we are so used to failure and failing and being the loser and everyone pointing at us going, you're not good enough, strong enough, capable enough. That success is actually an identity. It's a shift, right? It is in the same way that shame it's can scary. be an identity. So it's success. And so to go to this place, because there's levels to this game, right? Because here you are, you look at your life where you are today and you go, okay, this is a level above where I was, but maybe the thing that I want is eight more levels up and it's level 10. I'm at level two. Here's the analogy that I use. People want to win championships. Well, if you want to be champion, you have to have a champion caliber. And most people don't because of the work required to put in, because it's not as simple of, I read the podcast. I read the, I listened to the podcast. I read the book. I went to the conference. I had therapy three times. It's the day in and the day out and the micro decisions that you're making when you're making 3000 decisions a day that lead you down that road. And one of the hardest parts of that is it is one, you have to have massive clarity. This, this is just the way that I've been able to create the life I have is when I have no clarity, my life was a disaster. Okay, cool. Check. So we know if I don't know where I'm going, I'm screwed. So I got clarity. I said, what do I want to do? I want to build this thing that's impactful for people where I can teach them as I'm learning. And that ultimately mm -hmm. became Think Unbroken almost seven years ago now. Okay, cool. So let's do that. Check. Now what? All right. Now I have to understand that for me to go to the level that I want to be, which my zeroed in focus right now is like, I want to be the number one mental health speaker in the country. Cool. I'm at level one. What does it take to get to level 10? The battle that I know that I have between level one and level 10 is in between my ears. That's it. That is the whole game. That is the whole battle. And so when I'm coaching people, when I'm speaking with them, when people are listening to the show, the thing that I'm always hoping that they're taking away is like possibility, because you have people like you and I who are sitting here 
I'm not an anomaly. I'm not special. I don't know anything anyone else doesn't know. I just execute the thing that has been laid in front of me from the people who have done it before. Mm -hmm. It's like Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues. It's like, follow what's in front of you and success is inevitable, but you have to be willing to accept it. And that was the thing that really shifted for me. I was like, can I accept mm. the fact that it is okay to not be a loser? Just going back to that language again, that was literally the conversation I had in this organism. I was like, you don't have to be a loser. You can be great, but you have to allow it to happen. And you have to learn the skills that allow you to be great. Mm -hmm. Greatness is defined by each person individually. You may not want what I want. That's totally fine. But whether you want what I want or you don't what I want, want what I want, ultimately the way that you get the thing that you want is by doing the hard every single day that builds confidence. And once you build confidence, you level up. So mm -hmm. if you're at level two, you have level two confidence. Now you have to start doing more difficult things to get level three confidence and so on and so forth until you have the championship caliber. And mm -hmm. so- my answer in a very simplified way to what you just asked me is, yes, I do believe it's possible for everyone, but not everyone is going to do it. Yeah, because it requires a lot of deep work. And I think most people just don't know who the f they are, you know? Well, that's where journaling comes in. Like it's the greatest, the pen is the greatest tool in the healing journey. There's no question. <laughs> the pen. The pen. <laughs> Sit and write. Get. Have you ever done much non-dominant hand? Have you done that much of that? I have. I used to do the non-dominant hand drawing, and oh my god, try writing. And it was like I remember. I tried to do it. I have to show you what this looks like. I was in this. For those listening, I was and not watching. Andrea is going to get a drawing. I would. I mean, I'm not afraid of anybody reading this because I can't read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have like, no idea what, what that's. Uh, it looks like hieroglyphics. It's horrible. I don't know if people can actually make word like letters, but I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I I did that years ago in a session with my therapist where he was like, just write all the bad shit in your life, but do it left-handed. I was like, I don't know why. I still I'll don't be know. Here all day. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's not enough time. You know, I, I, I love that this conversation has been fun and enthralling and, and hopefully impactful for people. I look at your journey. I look at what you've been able to do and accomplish in your life, knowing that, you know, like, like here's what's so interesting about you and where you're at. On, on paper, people would look at our childhoods and they go, they're so different, mm -hmm. but they're really not. Because trauma impacts people, whether you're rich or you're poor, you're black or you're white or you're purple or yellow, or your your parents are together, divorced or separated or whatever, trauma is going to impact people. And there is a path in front of you where your life can be different, where everything can become what it is that you want. And I'm not saying you have to go start a podcast like we have, but what I am saying is like, there's an opportunity in front of you if you're willing to take it because the universe is always leaving you signs. And my friend, this has been a, a really beautiful, beautiful conversation. Before I ask you my last question, can you please tell everyone where they can find you? Yes. My podcast is Adult Child. And um, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Adult Child Pod, P-O-D. You can email me at Andrea at Adult Child Podcast. There are millions of adult children out there who don't know that they're an adult child. 
Google, if you're going to do anything right now, Google the ACA laundry list. If you relate, go listen to my podcast. Yeah, I love it. My last question for you, my friend, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? It means embracing our entire story. You know, all of the mess, all of the shame and, and really just embracing that and, and coming, having gratitude for our pain. I think, you know, like I'm so, if I could go back and not have a childhood, if I could go back and not have become the school slut in the seventh grade, I wouldn't do it because it shaped me into to who I am today. And I can honestly tell you that I really love the person that I am. Am I perfect? No, but um, I think I'm pretty all right. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much, my friend. Unbroken Nation, thank you for listening. Do us Broken a favor. <laughs> Do us a favor. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for the podcast if this brought any value to your life. You guys, if you have not given him a five-star review, what the hell is wrong with you? You need to stop. If you don't, next time you go to listen to the pod, it's not going to be here. It's actually going to disappear. So I highly, highly recommend that you go leave a five-star rating right now. Couldn't have said it better myself. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review, and you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends. And until next time, be unbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co.